we spoke yesterday about the one reason why Klai Yisrael were misled into making a mistake, and that was that they were fooled by the insincere, so to speak, declaration of the Galvanim that they were doing it to Hashem Shemayim. But they came to Ma'an Hashem Elekechel, like the points out, and that is that Ke'ilu, uh, they thought that uh, because Hashem was so much that people even so far away had heard about the Nisim which were done, and that's why they came, because they were impressed by the godless, or the stories of the godless that heard about Hashem, and therefore their intention was, And we saw that that was the reason why, uh, the, so to speak, they were less careful than they should have been in checking out the, really the origins of where the Gevonim were from. There was a second reason also, and that's something we see throughout Sefer Yeshua, and that is very often Yeshua looks so to, see, so to speak, to see what Moshe Rabbeinu did in similar circumstances. And uh, as a Talmud, he learns, from, he learns from Moshe's leadership. He learns from Moshe's direction. And like we saw with Rashi's Shittu is, that, the give, that there were Kananim who came in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu as well. And they also wanted to convert. And Moshe accepted them. Now that doesn't mean to say that they fooled Moshe. Like we see over here, that they tricked Yeshua. But Moshe wasn't Mukhuyev at that stage to destroy the seven nations of Canaan. And therefore, if, if, uh, if Canaanim had wanted to come in the time of Moshe, and the Canaanim had wanted to uh, make a peace treaty or convert or whatever it was that they wanted to do, that was an option. It was only when Kalaisha, like we saw, crossed the Yarden and went into Eretz Israel, then there was no option anymore for making a treaty with the Canaanim. Then there was a dinner there to destroy them. So Moshe didn't need to be fooled to. They could have come up straight and told him, we want to you know, convert, we want to be your avodim, we want to make some kind of a treaty with you, and Moshe would have been allowed to accept them, which he did. Which he did. And uh, Moshe then gave these Kananim that he accepted, and uh, as part of, so to speak, not, not really converted them, but he accepted them as, so to speak, making some kind of a covenant with Israel. He gave them the job of being the water carriers and the ones to chop the wood. And the pastor talks about it in Nitzavim. So Moshe talks about all the categories of Klai Yisrael. So he says, I tell Nitzavim, I am Kulchim, if Nei Hashem Elekeichem, from Rashaychem, from your leaders, until Mechoytev Etzecho, Ve'ad Shayev Memecho, from those who chop your wood, until those who draw your water. And therefore there was a precedent for such a thing. Yeshua knew that Moshe Rabbeinu had accepted people who weren't part of Klai Yisrael, so to speak, and given them this job. Now, of course, Yeshua didn't intend that to be practical for the seven nations of Canaan because he knew that there was a chiyot to destroy the seven nations of Canaan. But over here, since he didn't think that they were from the seven nations of Canaan, he was mistaken in that. But where was the precedent to accept people, so to speak, to join the ranks of Christ? Well, that he knew from Moshe Rabbeinu. And such a thing had been done before, and therefore he felt that he was entitled to do the same thing over here. Which is why Yeshua agreed and to accept them. Is the Rav suggesting that part of the reason... Yeah. Geritoshev, which means they renounced of a desire, but they didn't become full Geri. Moshe didn't convert them? Also, not completely. And the reason why he gave them those jobs of water carriers and, like we said, uh, people who chop the wood, wood choppers, is because those jobs, really, the, who, the, who are they carrying the water for? Which I'm the word for the okay, we're doing for the Mishkan at the time, right? Yeah. And why was that important? Because, and this was always, a, we'll see this as a theme, we see many times, and that is, Gerim didn't get a Nachla in Eretz Yisrael. So where are they going to go? Even Yisra himself, the most famous of the Gerim, 
Rashi explains, but the reason why Yisrael left Kaiyushal to go back to Midian is because he told Moshe, you're going to Eretz Yisrael, you're not going to have a place to be in Eretz Yisrael. You're not here in the Midbar, I can camp out with all of you in the desert, there's room for me too. When it comes to Eretz Yisrael, and the land's going to be apportioned to the children of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, to the twelve Shvatim, right? so as a ger, I don't fit in anywhere. So where am I going to go? So I might as well go home. That's where Rashi explains why Yisrael wanted to leave. And Moshe Rabbeinu's response to him was, we'll make a plan for you, we'll find you somewhere you can live. Because the others was a real issue. And that is, where's the ger going to go? There wasn't free ground. Eretz Yisrael was apportioned into the twelve Shvatim. Each Shavit was given to the people, the members of that Shavit. We see a similar thing in the Torah. Right? The story of the Makalil, the person who was killed for cursing, what, what, what set him off? What, 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 what is the incident that caused him to curse? Exactly the same thing. He, the, the, he, didn't, he didn't have a Jewish father, so he had nowhere to keep back to pitch his tent. He wanted to go to Machnadon, they kicked him out. He said, sorry, you're not, you're not part of us. So where am I going to go? <laughs> no one. No one wanted him. He couldn't go with his mother? No, his mother was from Dan. But the way that sh- the, the way that the Shvatim or lineage goes is is a base of Vaisam, it goes by the father. What about the Arab problem? was was where they're gonna go. Right? And that would be Moses' problem with the Givanim or at least the Khan who came in his time also. Where they're gonna go. So why did Moshe offer Yisrael? When Yisrael had this like this this pain, and that is where am I gonna go? You don't have the place in Israel. What did Moshe offer Yisrael? We're gonna learn a bit later on. He offered him Dushna Shal He offered him the environs of Yerichai. Why? Because there was an agreement between the Shvatim that whoever would whoever would have the Besamikdash built in their territory, you know, Besamikdash was like international territory. That didn't belong to any one Shavit. But even though it was in the Nakhla of a Shavit, but Lemais, that became Klai Yisrael's united, so to speak, place. And that they'll pay for it. And it became, it wasn't, even, like I said, even though we know the Besamikdash was physically in the Shavit of Binyamin, at least most of it, right? It didn't didn't belong to Binyamin. Right? The sovereignty rights, if you want to call it, of the best of belonged to Kaiser altogether. And if that's the case, so the Kaiser made a deal that whoever, that being a Yerichai was originally made into a Kherim, no one got Yerichai. So that was kept for whichever Shavit would would have to host the base of Megdosh, so so to speak, to pay them for the property which was theirs, where the base of Megdosh would be built, they would get the Shushal Yerichai. They couldn't rebuild Yerichai, but they could use the environs of Yerichai. For, for habitation, for planting, whatever they wanted to do there. Now it will take time. And that's why the Pasuk says that Moshe offered the children of Yisrael to get that, the place of Yericho until the Mesimish was built. Until the Mesimish was built, so they had a certain amount of time that they would be, that they would be able to use the land because it wasn't being used. But here also, once the Mesimish has been built, so then uh, it was given to Shevet Binyamin, and if that's the case, there wasn't, there wasn't Makam for no Yisrael anymore. Now, therefore, what did Moshe offer the Givonim who came in his time? Right? So the Chachma was that he offered them to work for the Mishkan. Because, because now they were workers for the Mishkan, so now they had to live next to the Mishkan. So they had to be given residency there, so to speak. Now, it wasn't on the Cheshpun of any Shevet. Just like we saw the Besam Mikdash was international territory, it belonged to no Shevet, it was given to Kaishra as a whole. So workers for the Besam Mikdash were allowed to live in the same area. They had to be given that right, they needed for the Besam Mikdash. And therefore, the idea of making the Gerim, or at least the Givonim, whatever they were, as the employees of the base of Megdash meant that a place to go. Right. So that was the, what's well, sorry, Dafka Moshe made them into water carriers, like we said, and wood chappers. Specifically for the base of Megdash, then they, they, they had the right then to be with the base of Megdash. And we see they were. If we later, 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 we'll get to Shmuel, and we'll see when it came to Navi Rakhainim. What is the group of Givonim? What are we talking about? The numbers? Thousands? Hundreds? 
You're talking about the time of Moshe Rabbeinu? No, but the Yeshua. Moshe was a city. It was a whole city state. But Moshe wasn't that. Moshe was a small group. And Moshe's Givonim, they were living with the Mesa Mikdash. When Shal Rossi kills Navi Rakonim, either he killed or whatever he did, he, just, he, he dealt with the Givonim who were there because being as that's where the Mishkan was, the Givonim had the right to live in the city of the Kainim because they were the workers of the Mesa Mikdash. They were the laborers there. Okay, so that was the that was Moshe Rabbeinu. Now we said, Yeshua sees a parallel. So what happens? Something happens by Moshe Rabbeinu, and he he ha, he doesn't have to think of what what needs to be done new in the circumstance, so to speak. There was already a precedent for this. It was different. It was different, and Yeshua should have found out more to make sure that the people that he was dealing with weren't in the category of people that he had to kill. But the idea of accepting uh, foreigners. In the sense of that they would make a treaty with Klai Yisrael, they'd be a Geratoshav, and they would be allowed to work, so to speak. For the Mishkan, that already happened. And therefore, what you show, he, 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 he tried to do the same thing. Okay. So that's what, uh, that, was the mis- that was what happened with the Givonim. Now, the interesting thing is that the Pasuk doesn't tell us those people who came and who fooled Klai Yisrael and who made the treaty with him, what happened to them? They stayed, they left, what happened to them? Why? Because the Pasuk says, Three days after they made the covenant with the Givonim, then the Klaish will find out that really the Givonim didn't come from far away. They were very nearby, they were only three days away. Now, how did they find out? So the Pasuk tells us, because Klaishal were traveling. And three years later, they came to the city called Givon. Right? So then they realized that the people who had come to them were from the neighboring city. What are the cities? Varem, Givon, Vakfira, Vairis, Vakiris, Yarim. All these areas, these four villages, whatever they were, cities, well, that was the, the place of the Givonim. So Klaishal realized that they've, been, that they've been lied to and that the, they made a promise to Givonim based on a mistaken premise. So what happens? Right, they came from Yericho. They're going slightly north towards Ai. And the next city was, was Kiris Arim. This is before they get to Yerushalayim and the, the, center, the hills, which is going to be a later on battle. So it doesn't seem like the Kiris Arim of today is the same Kiris Arim that I was talking about. We don't know is either. So, so, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu allow them to... So, Israel. couldn't attack them. Kinesh Bolem Hashem Yisrael. Since the Nasim had made a covenant with them and promised by Hashem, so therefore it would be looking, it would look like a chil Hashem, like we saw before, for them to renege on the promise. So, so everyone had tainas, all the people had tainas in the Nasim. Because of you, we now can't do the mitzvah of, of you know, killing all the people of Canaan. So, the Nasim come to justify themselves. So the Nasim said to all the people, we, we made a covenant with them Hashem, Hashem, and therefore and therefore as a result we can't we can't attack them. And therefore this is what we should do for them. We have to keep them alive. And therefore we won't be punished for breaking the shvur that we made with them. Now the question here is like this. There's a halachic question. There's a principle in the Gemara a number of times. And the Gemara says that if a person makes a shvah to go against the mitzvah, 
Bezrech's Shvil is called Nishvil of Atlas and Mitzvah. The halacha is that the Shvil is not Chal. Why not? The Gemara has two different explanations for it. But the simple explanation is the Gemara in Shvil. The Gemara there says that we mush be vayim me Which means we already made the Shvil to Hashem and Hasina that, that we keep the Torah. And that's the case, we already committed. And just like a person can't make a Shvil, I will do something. If they make a Shvil, I won't do something. He's already bound by his first Shvil. So the second Shvil necessarily is something which he can't fulfill. Right? So it's a shvur, a shav. That's a different problem. It's a shvur in vain. But it doesn't bound him. It doesn't obligate him because he's very obligated the opposite way. In the example of the Gemara, if a person makes a shvur, I'm going to eat this piece of bread. And then he makes a shvur, I'm not going to eat the piece of bread. The second shvur, it doesn't take effect. He's mechuyif to eat it. The first shvur is binding. The second shvur, at worst, will be a shvur shav, which means a unnecessary shvur. But it doesn't commit him. So that's the case in any mitzvah in the Torah. A person can't make a shvur not to do the mitzvah. The example of the Gemara, if a person makes a shvur not to eat matzah on El Pesach, it doesn't work. Since I'll be tired of to eat matzah on El Pesach, that binds us. And if that's the case, you can't make a shvur to the contrary. And if that's the case, the question is, how could the shvur of the Nasim here take effect? Once the Torah told them that you have a mitzvah, the rice, to kill all the people of Canaan, if that's the case, then they're already nush, mush they're already, so to speak, obligated to destroy the people of Canaan. And therefore, a person makes a shvur to battle the mitzvah, like the Nassim did, maybe wrongly, mistakenly, but to make a shvur not to do the mitzvah, we won't kill the people of Canaan. So that's the case. How can the shvur take effect? How can they, how, how, and that was the question, right? The people wanted to kill them, even regardless of the Nassim's shvur. And the Nassim's argument back then was, we can't do that. Once you made the shvur, we're not allowed to kill them. But the question is, what is the, what is the halachic base of what the Nassim was saying? And that is that since the Maisa, the halacha is that a shvur against the Torah doesn't work. So this is a shvur against the Torah. And if that's the case with Shushan and Bincha. So, they shouldn't have been banned by it. So, here also, we'll see in the Sudukim and the Psukim that what was the, what was the reason why the Nasim were worried about this shvur? The first one, the first one is, like we said before, was, was not the shvur problem. The problem was the shechil Hashem. And therefore, even if I'll pee the shvur, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have to keep their shvur to the gibbonim. Right? And they would be able to break the shvur because it was made against the Torah. But it would be a problem with Hashem. Because being as, at least, it looked like Klai Yisrael had made a shvur, we're now breaking their word. So, whatever the halachic justification for it would have been, but they had to worry about the question of what would, would look like a chidol Hashem.